This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Glenn Beck. The Blaze Radio Network. Bill and Hillary Clinton burst into the national consciousness during the presidential election campaign of 1992. Up until that point, very few people outside of Arkansas had ever heard of them. Bill Clinton was young, considered good-looking, hip, and knew how to appeal to youthful voters, as he proved on a show called Arsenio Hall, where he played the saxophone. With his supportive wife, Hillary, on his side, Clinton came out of nowhere to win the presidency, something that a year earlier seemed virtually impossible with the incumbent president, George H.W. Bush, at about 90% approval rating following the first Gulf War. But their days in Arkansas, embroiled in the Whitewater scandal, the affairs and questions about Hillary's association with the firm where she had been a partner, and the legality of some of her actions there continued to haunt them. Among other things, there were questions of conflict of interest regarding state business and that same politically connected and powerful Rose Law Firm in Little Rock. Clinton argued the questions were moot because all of the transactions with the state had been deducted before determining the pay Hillary received from the firm. But more questions and concerns arose when Bill Clinton announced that, with Hillary, voters would be getting two presidents for the price of one a promise at which many Americans balked. Since the American citizens don't have the opportunity to vote two-for-one presidential specials, but those questions and concerns were overcome. But Hillary and the newly elected president's scandals certainly didn't end there or at the Arkansas border. Freshly moved into their accommodations at the White House in Washington, D.C., they allegedly began illegally obtaining FBI files on their enemies, almost exclusively Republicans, but also others who happened to get in their way. This became known as Filegate, and it was first discovered by the House Government Reform and Oversight Committee as they were investigating Hillary's Travelgate scandal. The committee found that the FBI files had been improperly accessed by Craig Livingstone, a former bar bouncer Hillary had hired to work in the White House Counsel's office. However, Hillary blew the scandal off as, quote, completely honest bureaucratic snafus, end quote. Investigators eventually accepted her explanation and dropped it. As for Travelgate, Bill had taken office in January of 1993, and in May, seven employees of the White House Travel Office were suddenly fired. This action was unusual because, while staff employees serve at the pleasure of the president and could be dismissed without cause, in practice, such employees usually remain in their posts for many years. The White House stated the firings were done because financial improprieties in the travel office operation during previous administrations had been revealed by an FBI investigation. Others, however, contended the firings were done to allow friends of the First Lady, Hillary Rodham Clinton, to take over the travel business and that the involvement of the FBI was unwarranted. Heavy media attention forced the White House to reinstate most of the employees in other jobs and remove the Clinton associates from the travel role. Bill was cleared by an independent counsel, Kenneth Starr, in 1998 of any involvement in Travelgate. 
but Hillary was found to have played a central role in their firings. She was also caught lying about her involvement in it. However, again, no action was ever taken against her. Hillary spoke to Barbara Walters in 1996 about Travelgate. A 1993 memo by a former White House aide, David Watkins, was made public in which he says that you were responsible for the firing of seven people in the White House travel office because you wanted to have an Arkansas uh, travel agency take its place. And there would have been nothing illegal about you doing that. But you have said you had no idea how the decision was made and that you had nothing to do with it. Is he lying? Well, I think what is fair to say is that I did voice concern about the financial mismanagement that was discovered when the president arrived here in the White House travel office. I think that everyone who knew about it was quite concerned and wanted it to be taken care of. But I did not make the decisions. I did not direct anyone to make the decisions. But I have absolutely no doubt that I did express concern because I was concerned about any kind of financial mismanagement. Also in 1993, a religious cult known as the Branch Davidians, led by David Koresh, were suspected of weapons violations. So President Clinton's Attorney General Janet Reno sent the ATF to raid their compound in Waco, Texas, in an attempt to serve a warrant. In the ensuing gun battle, Four government agents were killed, along with six Branch Davidians. That gave rise to a 51-day siege of the compound. On the final day of the siege, the FBI launched an attack on the Davidians, firing tear gas canisters into the home to attempt to drive Koresh and his supporters out. This is when a fire erupted that killed 76 men, women, and children, including Koresh himself. Questions remain on how the fire began, but a government investigation in 2000 concluded it was started by the Davidians themselves. Facts that we know now indicate that the FBI did not set that fire. That fire was set by David Koresh and the people in that building. It was a terrible tragedy that it came on the heels of federal agents being killed, just murdered. We've got to put it in perspective realizing that as we do, it is still vitally, critically important that we pursue every aspect of the investigation. 1993 was quite a year for the Clinton White House. Hillary's close friend and Deputy White House Counsel Vince Foster, with connections to both Whitewater and the Travelgate scandals, was found dead on July 20th from a fatal gunshot wound to his mouth. His death was ruled suicide. Federal investigators were not allowed into Foster's office immediately after his death. But White House aides were. That gave rise to speculation that the files and or evidence were removed. After Ken Starr ruled Foster's death a suicide, one of his key investigators claimed the ruling had been predetermined and said the crime scene had been altered and stories about the event killed. Barbara Walters discussed the tragedy with Hillary. You know there is the reoccurring rumor about you and Vince Foster. What was your relationship with him? Oh, he was one of my dearest friends, Barbara. He was a colleague. He was a partner. He'd been a friend of my husband's since they were boys of four or five years of age, and I miss him. You know, there is then this whole business after his suicide of whether you tried to um, 
have records removed or have them examined before they were shown uh, to the Justice Department. And you have said that you did nothing to uh, impede the investigation into his death, had no concern over access to the documents in his office. You know, I want to be very clear about this. Okay. There were no documents taken out of Vince Foster's office on the night he died, and I did not direct anyone to interfere in any investigation. In the mid-1990s, Hillary allegedly had a brainstorm. Bill needed money for his re-election campaign, and the Chinese had money. Lots of money. The Chinagate fundraising scheme was hatched. Chinagate is perhaps the most underrated, unknown, and yet disastrous scandals in all of American history. It involved the transfer of America's most sensitive technology secrets, including, but not limited to, nuclear missile and satellite tech, apparently in exchange for millions of dollars in contributions to the Clinton campaign effort and the DNC. The allegation is that Hillary came up with the plan for the administration to sell seats on its taxpayer-funded trade missions in exchange for contributions. During those missions, the Chinese gained access to vital and secret American technology. The case was so serious and so damaging that the Commerce Department asked for a judgment against itself to avoid any further revelations. The court refused and insisted the Commerce Department conduct a new search for trade mission records and authorize discovery into the illegal concealment and destruction of government records. Congressional investigations, FEC investigations, a criminal inquiry by the Justice Department and the FBI followed. The DOC eventually changed its trade mission policy, which abandoned all political contributions affecting mission seats. During the investigation by the Department of Justice, about 120 people connected to Chinagate either fled the country or pleaded the fifth to prevent testifying. Clinton friend Ya Lin Charlie Trey pleaded guilty to charges of violating campaign finance rules in exchange for having pended indictments dropped against him in Washington and Arkansas. According to news reports in 1997, Democratic donor Johnny Chung received a $150,000 transfer from the Bank of China three days before he handed then First Lady Hillary Rodham Clinton's chief of staff a $50,000 check. President Clinton admitted in 1997 that he invited major campaign donors to spend the night in the White House. The Clintons hosted 404 overnight guests. Judicial Watch brought a lawsuit on behalf of the shareholders of Laurel Space and Communications Limited. Laurel had transferred sensitive U.S. missile technology to China in the 1990s. The CEO, Bernard Schwartz, gave $1.5 million to various Democratic Party entities, including Bill Clinton's 1996 re-election campaign. At the same time, Schwartz and Laurel convinced the Clinton administration to transfer technology export licensing authority from the State Department to a more politically influenced Commerce Department. Schwartz and Laurel then obtained licenses from the Commerce Department that were needed to launch Laurel-manufactured communication satellites into orbit from China. Yet, as always, friends, acquaintances, and the United States of America paid a hefty price. But Hillary and Bill came away unscathed. It's interesting to note 
that finally, in 2006, without notice or without fanfare, an appellate court upheld an award of $900,000 to Judicial Watch for attorney's fees and costs from the trial. Where there is billowing smoke, there is apparently never any fire. At least if the Clintons are connected. Except when other women are involved, which we will cover in the next episode. Glenn Beck. This is the Glenn Beck Program.